no one really cares about your successes. Uh, but if you talk about your failures more often with people, even if it's painful, they might have great suggestions or they might be totally willing to help you um, overcome that challenge. So be honest with people and tell them what you're, cha- what you're challenge with, what you're challenged with and um, what you don't know how to solve. And maybe they have a solution for you. Hello, Ben Beeves, and welcome to the Career Lift Podcast, where we bring you impactful guests, industry professionals, messages, and advice on how you can begin to create the career of your dreams and succeed in your path. Tune in weekly on Mondays and give your career a lift. and welcome to this episode of the Career Lift Podcast. Today I'm joined by entrepreneur, recent University of Oregon grad, and friend William. Will is the founder of Insta Showing, a digital real estate tool that makes property showing easy for real estate agents. Will founded this company while in college at University of Oregon. Welcome, Will, and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, so Will, could you begin by describing a little bit about what Insta Showing does, or what, what it's all about, and then I guess kind of how it's changing, it's changing real estate. And um, I guess with that, you, if you could kind of describe kind of how it started. And my, So a couple of years ago, my family was moving to Bend where I'm living right now. And uh, I haven't gone on a lot of showing tours. And when we were with our agent, she just was complaining about um, all this paperwork she had to do. Like um, specifically, she was complaining about like, okay, she booked six appointments, but to book each appointment, she had to call she had to have my mother say what house she wanted to see. And then she had to call the uh, agent who represented the buyer. And then that buyer's agent then had to call their occupant to get the confirmation. And then it had to go all the way back. And this was just like a really specific problem. Um, But I realized just how um, systematically underserved real estate was with software. And so Basically, I just that that night when I came up with that, I when I came up with the when I saw what I saw on the the tour, I was just like my mind was just spinning for the rest of the the day. And then that night, I literally came back and started. Um, I'd never done like any applications before. I literally just started drawing pictures of what the app should look like. And we all use apps, so we all know what the what apps look like in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I. Uh, basically just created a document of how this, this application would work and um, went on online, went on Fiverr to just basically hire a freelancer um, and find someone who could code it or someone who could design it. And so that night I just uh, made a draft of what the application would look like. And basically what it does is just helps agents just schedule appointments. And it's just, it's just super simple, but at the same time, it's just like super necessary because they're spending such an exorbitant amount of time doing this. And some even have like assistants whose full-time job is just dedicated to answering and um, scheduling appointments, which is just kind of ridiculous in the 21st century. I don't know much about real estate, but um, you would think that that would be something that already existed. Before this, there was nothing, there was like nothing else that existed like this. So there were some solutions um, in some of the big markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this one company like 20 years old and like they started basically by, cause this is such an annoying problem. They basically started by 
hiring like phone operators. So they'd have like a whole an- call answering center that you could hire and have like some random person in Kentucky mm-hmm. answer your calls for you and help schedule your appointments. And um, I didn't even really like look at them because I just thought that was like such a ridiculous idea. Mm-hmm. And so like poorly executed. Uh, and eventually I did see there was like some solutions out there, but it, they just weren't elegant. They just were pretty crappy in their design mm-hmm. and they just didn't reach the agents that I, that I uh, met. Like the agent that I met would have no access to that tool. Mm-hmm. So I just realized that there was a, an opening um, to serve agents. Yeah. That kind of sounds like uh, when you're explaining, when you're explaining that other tool, it kind of sounds like, I don't know what it was called when phones were first came about where like there would be like an operator in the middle that would have connect your call or something like that. Little, little outdated maybe. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty outdated. And I mean, it's, it was served a served as value because it's just such an annoying problem. Mm-hmm. So it, it served its value. But I think the problem is, is like businesses like that, they don't like start from scratch and, and then utilize like what, whatever the best technology is. They just like, keep moving along and even if it was crappy to begin with it'll still be crappy today just because <laughs> i don't know it was just very poorly designed yeah absolutely before i jump more into into insta showing in general what led you to want to jump on this opportunity in particular like and have you like maybe in that same realm have you always been interested in entrepreneurship Or because I feel like the reason I'm asking that question is I feel like a lot of people maybe come across um, different, different interactions like you had with the real estate agent um, that you were talking about. And they're like, oh, that would be a great idea, but don't actually act on it. And so what, yeah, what kind of led you to want to actually um, pursue this? So, yeah, I, I had always been um, trying to start my own business I realized the the folly and of of, of a, a job and how <laughs> it's just you don't make very much money and um, you don't have that like tremendous upside and you just it's just not as fun it's just like you're just waiting for someone to command you on what you need to do for work and so I um, I took an entrepreneurship class at a junior college in high school and I um, basically had this idea in that class because it was a, a night night class. And so I would always come to that class with mm-hmm. a yerba mate and a, and a cliff bar. And so I, I had, I had a, basically, this was my other business before it was basically, I wanted a caffeinated cliff bar is what my, my, uh, the concept was. And, and I actually took it like pretty far. Like I, I was um, talking to Whole Foods and, and bringing it into their store. And I was like talking about to co-packers on developing it. And anyways, it was, it was like this, it was like a really unique, um, it was a, it was called a cola nut. And that was what, where the caffeine was from. Um, and so in West, West Africa, they don't, they don't drink caffeine per se. They mainly bite out of this nut, which is what they use to get their caffeine every day. Um, and so that was like my, my whole concept is, okay, well, let's, let's, let's uh, eat our caffeine as opposed to drinking it. Cause I hated coffee so much. So basically that was the startup I did before. Um, And uh, the problem was, is I'm not a food scientist. And so I didn't have a hundred thousand dollars to spend on hiring one, which like you need basically, it's not like, it's not like kitchen. It's, you don't, it's not like if you're a good chef, you can bring a food product to market. It's like, you have to be a scientist and like, you have to like know how to have this bar last like a, a year on the shelf without any concerns for, 
whatever and all the food and it has to taste the same for that whole whole year so it's like a real science project that i just didn't know how to crack and um unfortunately i gave that up and one of the people i met along the way there he continued going at his his idea which was uh low calorie ice cream and uh basically um halo top kind of ended up taking that market but then he pivoted when the whole ketogenic trend came along and um, now he's in whole foods. Now he's in Costco. Uh, it's, it's called keto pint. And so mm-hmm. uh, basically that just shows you. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was just, I was, it was bummed out that I didn't continue mm-hmm. pursuing it. Cause I remember talking to that guy every time I talked to him, he literally would say, I think I'm going to give up. It's just not working out. It's just, it's just so difficult. And it's, and in, in every single time I saw him, he like literally would say how he's about to give up. And he didn't though. He pivoted. And now it's everywhere. And he just pivoted into what, yeah. And, and again, he wasn't, he's, this is like a food product. He had no food background. He was an accountant. Wow. That reminds me of something I heard the other day that was like, usually when you're, when you're struggling, you like have to push through it because your next step could be greatness. There's a book, um, Think and Grow Rich. One of the examples in the book is is basically like a, a guy who had a gold mine and he like had it for a year or whatever and he was digging a hole and he just basically just, I don't have any gold and just gave up even though he, he thought and he knew that there was gold there and he tried and just gave up. But then he did, then, then somebody else came along and they're like, maybe he just needs to go three more feet that way with a pit. Mm-hmm. And then they found gold and the other person was able to, basically do it successfully Mm -hmm. it's a very literal example to i guess yeah how it works in general basically so this is where your passion for entrepreneurship maybe started and then when you came across the idea for insta showing you were like okay this could actually be something well on that same realm did you do any like um like market research or anything before you kind of before you started going into it or you just was it just obvious um so it was it was obvious to me that like if if these agents all these agents that I knew um, in like in California and Oregon if none of them were using a tool if none of them had access to anything that would would solve this issue mm-hmm. clearly um, the product user either doesn't exist or it exists but it doesn't doesn't reach these these users and so how do I reach these how do I reach these people mm-hmm. um, and so basically I just that was my, that, that's basically what I worked on for the next, um, whatever couple of years. I was just working on bringing to market a tool that would reach, reach those agents that I, um, that I knew and that needed the tool. Awesome. So market, market research, I guess. Um, I thought of it more as like, as in a, in, as a bet. So mm-hmm. I thought, um, how much money do I have to spend to build it? And what is like the likelihood um, or what is the bar for success? Mm-hmm. And so I thought I just only needed to spend to make at least the the, the prototype and the concept uh, five five grand five thousand dollars, and I got that in a grant from the U of O. The U of O had a had a um, I call, it's called a rainmaker grant, where um, a entrepreneur basically just donated a bunch of money, where they would give money to students who pitch their ideas and top five ideas would get this $5,000 grant. But awesome. yeah. So basically I just thought um, if that's all, if that's all it's going to cost, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this, this opportunity where there's 2 million agents. And if I just get a thousand agents paying me uh, $10 a month or 10,000 agents paying me $10 a month, that's a, that's a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand dollar a month business. Mm-hmm. And so totally. 10,000 agents out of 2 million is basically the math I did. And that's not a, that's not a lot of people. So it's, it, it makes sense. And that's many multiples of $5,000. So I just looked at like the cost and uh, the probability basically to success. Totally. Yeah. That's a good, I guess. Yeah. That's good math. Good way to go about it. Um, so, so you talked a little bit about how you started to build it. So you found some freelancers on Fiverr that kind of helped you to build your app. What was the development process like? I basically had that concept. I drew out what the app should look like. I wrote out on a document how it should work. And then I um, went on Fiverr and, and hired some UI designers, just people to make like the with the, the screenshots of uh, how it would look. And went back and forth and kept changing things around. I mean, I first tried using Photoshop and doing it myself, but it was not worth the time because I couldn't even like figure out how to like click this element and dry it, drag it here. Totally. People are so like expert and they can do it so fast mm-hmm. and they end up being like so cheap that it's just so worth it to hire um, one of these freelancers. And so, yeah, I, I got the UI design and then I basically then went to programmers on the platform and said, Hey, how much is it going to cost to build this? Um, and so then I got some quotes and then I went with uh, somebody who was, low cost, but then also high quality. Awesome. Yes. Okay. So when like you got the app up and running, how did you first get your first users and like get the word out? So there's like two phases. Um, The first phase was I basically made an app. It was like an literal app. And um, they were supposed to digitize like everything a buyer's agent was doing Mm -hmm. in one app. And my sales strategies, because it's like one of the biggest things um, you find out as an entrepreneur is it's not necessarily just about building it and they will come. Like that doesn't happen. It's like, what is your, they call it like beachhead or what is your distribution strategy? It's more about how do you get in into the market and how do you distribute your product? And so uh, at first I went like the, the top down route. So agents are part of these MLSs. And basically they, um, like, let's say Ben, for instance, they have like 2000 agents that are part of the MLS. Um, and so I said, okay, well, why don't I just sell it to them? Because they, they buy some tools for them already. So why don't I just sell it to them and they'll give it to everyone. Um, and that, that was, uh, that's quite the ask for your first product. That's still in prototypes phase. And, and, and I did do that though. I, I called the lady who runs the MLS and then she's like, thought I was crazy at first. And then I, I she hooked, she um, introduced me to their head of technology who um, then basically interviewed me um, about what I was doing. And then she let me pitch in front of the board. So I was in front of a MLS board um, and basically talk to talk to them, pitching them on what the product would look like. And I just showed them the screenshots. There's no app there. I was just showing them the screenshots. And this is, I guess, this is the problem is I did say I was a student and like this was like a new, a new thing. And these people are very like, MLSs are extremely risk adverse. So um, we actually talked back and forth and they're like, what is your price quote? 
and I'm like, what do I charge? And um, my mom's like, oh, you should charge $100 per user. So I just said that on the, on the paper. I said, oh, $100 per user, which – and the lady asked me, she's like, you realize how many members we have, right? So that would be literally $200,000 contract uh, per year with them. But I had no app. There's no developed product at all. And so um, they basically just said, um, come back to us when you have like a, uh, a like a working app or you've tested it out somewhere else. And so um, I was going to go to s- some other MLSs, but then I uh, and I, I did talk to some and worked with them. But um, I ended up thinking, OK, well, why don't I just go directly to the agent? How do I develop this application so that I can just sell it to one person as I have as opposed to having to sell it to an organization? And so. Um, I basically was talking to an agent, showing them what I was building. And then he's like, if only you could just like have a link right there that you could just then go to your site. And I realized like that's, that's the secret is, is to getting to them is just building a website that does what we want to do, but doing it through a link. So it's like zoom, zoom and um, all these other apps that we use now. It's like, what is the secret of zoom? It's not that it's not that everyone has account names and that they share their account names with each other. It's that they just are able to be able to send a link and be able to uh, have anybody access it. So that was the secret. And then I built that out. Um, and actually, these are these were different freelancers from the ones um, that built the app app. So now this is a web app, and uh, that's what I have today, and that's what's uh, been working out pretty well. Wow, that's pretty. I love that you kind of just like started before you, it was fully developed. So when that guy or whoever like told you that link would be a good idea, was that bef- that was before you had it built out? Uh, I had built the app. The app it was working, and I was working on an MLS to launch it in. However, the hurdle for me was that contract. That um, it was like an all or nothing. Like you needed to get all these two thousand agents on it, uh, otherwise it wouldn't work very well. And that was just like too big of a hurdle. Uh, for a totally new application. And so it's like, how do I be able to get the distribution down to just needing just one person? And so that's, that's what I did. I, I, I launched the, um, that website and then I um, basically just pitched it to agents. And uh, um, it's funny. I, I pitched it to so many different agents in person, like all my, all my mom's friends who are agents, uh-huh. I literally pitched it to all of them. And even though they were perfect candidates, they just didn't have the personality of being like a first adopter. And, but some of them are just, were old school in the sense they're like, I like to talk to, uh, if we, if we allow this technology to get in between us and our, our consumers, then we're, we're no good. So I just had to find the right people totally who had that good mindset. And, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like any new, maybe any new technology kind of, receives pushback at first from i'm sure from a lot of different people that are just hesitant to change you know and generalizing the industry i guess like then that technology goes off to revolutionize the industry yeah there's like a marketing concept um it's like the adoption curve so it's like a bell curve and so it's like they say the first two point they say the first 2.5 percent of a market is really the only part of the market that's going to adopt your technology so they call them the like the innovators so only like a very small number of people are going to be testing what's new. Mm-hmm. And then once they adopt it, then there's this next phase that 
all their friends are going to see them adopting it. Um, and they're more risk tolerant still, but mm-hmm. they're, they'll, they'll check it out as well. And then there's these like, there's another, another phase called the laggard phase, which are basically people who are resistant to new technology. But once the other 50% have adopted already, they're like, okay, I might as well get a Facebook or get a, get a smartphone. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to hear like failure, funny failure stories? Definitely. If you have some of those, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was like, I, I finally had gotten an agent who was like, I got like the top agent in this one city, mm-hmm. um, Eugene, and he was doing like over a million dollars um, in commission per year that he got from real estate. And he just had all this tremendous influence. Um, and so anyways, I, I was starting out by individually just selling to one person because I was just like trying to articulate the product, trying to articulate the vision. Um, and so anyways, it was just funny because he was, he adopted it and he used, used it on his properties and there's just this bug in there. So once this agent made an appointment for one of the properties, she, uh, it's painful to remember it, but she made an appointment for one of the properties and, I, and, and basically there was like this loop. So like it would send her the text message, but it just kept sending it to her because she wrote in the wrong email and so the email was failing. And so the the application kept trying to send uh, her the notification until it was successful. Mm-hmm. But it kept texting her. So she got like hundreds and hundreds of text messages, oh probably God. like over a thousand, just harassing her with the same exact message. Um, and it just was harassing all these people who were using it. So it's like, it's one thing if like a, a red screen comes up and it's a, just a bug, but it's like another yep. thing if like your application is inadvertently harassing like uh, a user. So it was, it was embarrassing. I did. She did that person give you like feedback on it. Yeah. He, she told the person who was using in the Insta showing calendar. And um, then he told me and, and they're very, he was very nice about it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. And just said, Oh, I'm sorry. Like you got to, I mean, I, he knew it was a beta. He knew it was a um, unstable product that he was using. So totally. um, as long as he was clear on that, then, can't complain that something went wrong per se, but I'm still embarrassed by that happening. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess, you know, you need those things to happen or to figure out, you know, in order to make it better and figure it out. How do I mean, so how do you deal with stuff like that today? Like, how do you deal with customer? Are you still the, like the point of contact for like customer um, just like feedback and stuff like that right now? Yeah. So I'm basically, yeah, I basically get all the contact, all the messages and support requests um, just because, um, if there's something, if there's something, if someone's messaging me, usually that's something's, I, I view that as something's wrong with the site. Like either the messaging wasn't clear. Um, maybe there was a bug or, um, or what, whatever. And so it's, it's basically, and then I also, it's not, it, I get like a, a couple dozen, um, demos that I do a week, but it's still not to a point where it's overwhelming um, my time. And I enjoy talking to these people. I enjoy learning from them. I enjoy asking them, Hey, we're thinking about this feature. What do you think about it? Um, and then just the process of trying to sell it to them. So, um, I enjoy that. And it's so far not overwhelming. So if, uh, you ever need a demo and you go on my site, you're probably gonna, you're gonna probably see me giving you the demo. (laughs) Awesome. Do you feel like you learn a lot about what your users like need to uh, like through talking to them? Yeah. So I, yeah, I learn I learn a lot when I talk to them. So I'm like, like I said, um, 
just hearing because then I they're like, yeah, well, I have this problem where uh, this is happening to me. I'm like, okay, well, let's see. Can this? Can we change? Can we add another feature so we could solve that problem too? Mm-hmm. Um, is that a valid concern? Is that gonna? Is that a concern that addresses all of our users? Um, and and so and then and if they don't understand how to use something on the site, maybe that that's usually someone doesn't understand something. That's your. That's my fault because I didn't do a good a job, good enough job in the UI design, or I didn't do a good enough job in um, giving materials for people to onboard appropriately. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. I have a few, I have a few questions that I want to get to before we wrap up a little bit. Um, so what, I guess, what did you, what have you had to teach? What are the like top things that you've had to teach yourself throughout this process? Um, I'd say marketing, marketing, marketing and sales, getting the word so, out. All right. Yeah. So figuring out like, okay, you have, 10 people using this, mm-hmm. how do you scale that up? Mm-hmm. So basically I didn't, I didn't know. So I even took like marketing classes at uh, U, U of O and they didn't really help me at all. Totally. <laughs> so I, I, I basically just bought a bunch of marketing books on the subject um, mm-hmm. on how to get your message out, um, how to like create uh, a marketing infrastructure. Um, so yeah, just just getting a bunch of books on the subject, and then um, I'd literally just read a chapter of the book, and then I would just implement. I just okay, this tells me to work on customer personas. Mm-hmm. Let's go make a, a customer persona now. Mm-hmm. And I just as I go through the book, that is like my action plan. So I'd read the book, figure out what I need to do, work in the business, build what build whatever the best suggestions were there, mm-hmm. and and then launch it. Awesome. Um, so what it, what has it been like to start this business in college? You, I guess you just graduated, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just the question of like, what do you prioritize? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, I've sort of prioritized school and I've always tried to like, like always leave a day or so to be able to just spend on the application. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's just difficult in some sense because you'll be like, I remember, one of my classes um, people can like automatically book uh, demos with me and it looks at my calendar. Mm-hmm. And so like I had a class that went to like one forty-five, and then it ends then. Mm-hmm. And then um, somebody booked a demo though from one forty-five to two. And so I like had to hop off the zoom call for the class like a couple minutes before mm-hmm. and um, just to prepare. And then I just like got this email from the professor. She's like, it says in the syllabus that you have to stay for the entire class period and you left early explain yourself. So it's just, it's just, you get, you get into like this, this balance where you're like trying to do good in school. You're trying to do all the homework and readings, um, which are just really time consuming. It's like a full-time job already. And then you're trying to do this business. Um, so it's like, it's just, I, I feel like you're just <laughs> not, not necessarily wasting your time in university, but um, I just wish you could just put it on pause and, and pri- like, okay, you have this business. Okay. Let's just prioritize that and just work on that. But at the same time you want to stay, I still wanted to stay on track to graduate and not just have no, no degree. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. 
yeah, I can definitely, uh, I can definitely understand that. And I kind of feel, I've been feeling the same struggle, especially this term. I like, have, I have a lot of projects and, and stuff that I want to focus on, including my business. And it was really hard not to, not to put uh, school last. And I have to remind myself that I'm still learning applicable things for, you know, for the future of, of my business and stuff like that. There's a, this thing called the, I don't know if you've heard of the um, Teal Foundation. Mm, that sounds familiar, but I don't know much about it. Yeah. So it um, basically this billionaire, he founded Peter Thiel, founded PayPal and he started the Thiel foundation because he hated universities. He thought that they wasted people's time. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with entre- people who are entrepreneurs, they probably shouldn't go to universities, his, his argument. And so he started this foundation where you apply and he gives you a hundred thousand dollars to drop out of school. Wow. To so, like start. Yeah. So if you get it, you get a hundred thousand dollars and then, and then you get a bunch of contacts so that you could raise money for your business. But your whole thing is he makes you leave university mm-hmm. and he makes, he makes you, um, he, he gives you no excuses. So he gives you money for rent and they say rent and ramen. Cause it's a hundred thousand dollars over two years. And they're thinking you're going to live in San Francisco. So mm-hmm. uh, it's enough for enough there for rent and ramen. And um, <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, I got, I got to the final, the final, uh, stages of that i got and did, did some interviews with them for that oh wow and, that's uh, cool that i know it was, it was cool like because because there's it's a really prestigious thing but i didn't end up getting it and i ended up finishing my degree and not dropping out so yeah well hey and you made it <laughs> yeah so what is your ultimate what's your ultimate vision for insta showing where would you like it to go and yeah where would you like it to be in say five years well, I really like real estate tech in general. So I'm going to mm-hmm. always, I feel like I'm going to, that's going to be my focus for my career generally mm-hmm. because there's just so much opportunity there. Totally. Um, I, I did try to sell it last year. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so I probably shouldn't say anything more on that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I tried to sell it and then um, pursue some additional opportunities in real estate tech. But uh, I think it's I think it's a great application, and there's a lot more growth uh, in store for it. But I think um, some of the things we were looking at are just focusing on like building tools for listing agents mm-hmm. and just helping them run their bit business better. Basically, is it what is one question that you wish people would ask you about your business? Like um, people who like customers, or like just people? Anyone, I guess. Time? Yeah. Or about, um, I mean, it could be about like your journey or anything. Well, customers, I like when they ask questions mm-hmm. because they're very innocent and they've never used my app. And maybe mm-hmm. they're like, why doesn't it do this? And I'm like, that's a good question. That's a good, that's a good point. I should mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my sister's doing going to do some marketing for me. And um, there's all these things like I've thought of doing. There's all these things I've sort of done. Mm-hmm. For marketing, but she just asked, well, I asked like a really basic question. I'm like, okay, well maybe that is something I should develop. Maybe I should um, do some PR and, and I did do some PR and wherever it is. Anyways, um, I got on the newspaper and yeah. So anyways, it was, it was funny because like that was definitely cool to do um, mm-hmm. to get the story out there. But the real benefit of getting a story in a newspaper is, the SEO for your own site. Yeah. 
So my, my ranking was really bad. My ranking was really bad in, on Google. Mm-hmm. And um, so once I got a few like prestigious um, publications to link to my site, mm-hmm. then my like ranking went to the top. And now I'm, now I'm doing much better for people looking for my site. Awesome. So for people who don't know anything about SEO, basically when there's more mentions in your, like, yeah. Could you explain that? Just like how your name being mentioned somewhere else boosted your SEO? Yeah. So um, like, like Larry Page, um, when he founded Google, his, his whole innovation was, um, so we'll basically rank your site based on the quality of the people who are citing you. Mm-hmm. So if my site is, is uh, cited by somebody on Twitter, maybe that's good. But if it's cited by the New York Times, like that means that that's a really prestigious um, citation. So therefore it must mean that I'm more important. And so getting yourself out there, having other sites linked to you, um, that's, that's really good. And that means that um, Google likes that on, on the algorithm. And so they'll, they'll boost you up higher. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. This is maybe not business related, but just a closing, a closing question. What would you say is the most important thing you've learned in your life? Uh, I say like admit where you are and don't try to like overplay um, like your successes and talk more about your failures instead. Um, just because uh, no one really cares about your successes. Uh, but if you talk about your failures more often with people, even if it's painful, they might have great suggestions or they might be totally willing to help you um, overcome that challenge. So be mm-hmm. honest with people and tell them what you're, what you're challenge with, what you're challenged with and um, what you don't know how to solve. And maybe they have a solution for you. I love that. Yeah. I like that in terms of, uh, of people can give you a solution. I heard someone say something the other day on a podcast where they were talking, saying that, um, that failure is much more, oh, I think it was Guy Raz. Have you ever listened to How I Built This, the podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was talking about how failure is much more interesting than success. And that um, I think people connect a lot more to failure, to hearing about failure rather than success. And um, I mean, just like, I guess in the authenticity of like talking about your failures too, a lot of people connect with that. But Well, it's just, it's just if you're successful and what, like, let's say I just <laughs> launched the app and it went to a million downloads, Mm-hmm. Um, I probably wouldn't have read any of those marketing books because I would have just said, okay, well, I know how to market. I, I know mm-hmm. how to, I know how to do this. Like obviously Definitely. the success. But when I launched it and no one was on the site, I was like, okay, well, how do I get some people on the site? And mm-hmm. then I, I, I learned some tactics and launched them. And and then when I realized I needed to get more people, then I learned, went and, and adapted. And, and so you don't really learn and adapt if you were successful on the first try. So mm-hmm. it's, if you had a challenge or if you had some encountered some difficulty or failures when you look for solutions and when you try to better yourself and try to pivot. Totally. So you really have to be honest with yourself too, I guess is kind of what, kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's easy to just distract yourself from whatever is really important. Like maybe I really need to do this X, Y, and Z, but like maybe I just doing something like, oh, maybe I think I just need to answer all my emails, which is not really value add. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Well, with that, um, do you have any any closing comments before we wrap up? Yeah, I would just go for um, if you ever have an opportunity that you 
see in front of you, um, just just go for it. Um, even if it, even if you don't go all the way, it's it you'll learn a lot and and you'll learn how better to assess opportunities. And I mean, I just I know some friends of mine who like say like, oh, they'll basically um, keep getting business ideas and then they keep just not pursuing it. Well, if you don't just pursue it, you'll always find some excuse on why you shouldn't do it. You'll always be like, oh, well, I shouldn't do it because of this or that. Um, there's always a hundred reasons why not to do it, but just go for it, try it, learn a lot, work on it. And then maybe uh, either it'll be a success or maybe you'll see something else that's a better opportunity, but at least along the way you would have, you, you would have learned all that um, great information on how to launch businesses to begin with. Awesome. Yeah, that's excellent advice. Just, you just got to start. It's been awesome getting to learn about your business and your journey. And thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you. That's all for this episode, Ben Beeves. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time on the Career Lift Podcast.